This is Byron Sanders, President and CEO of Big Thought. And this is Damani Daniel, Chief Imaginator at The Event Nerd. Welcome to Casually Creative, conversations about everyday creativity and nerdiness. Welcome to Casually Creative, everybody. We are so happy to have you join us again. And um, this is your favoritest co-host of the two. Doing that. Co-host, this is your favorite, Byron Sanders. Do I don't know why you lie. President, CEO of Big Thought. And then we also have... And if by also you mean above the first one, we have your actual favorite. I, I just don't understand why you keep lying to the people. Like there are there are reviews out there that say Damani Daniel is the greatest co-host of all time. Wow. There's a review. Wow, that's who um, I am. I'm Damani Daniel, chief imaginator at the Event Nerd. Me, favorite co-host. And we have better than the <laughs> both of us, thankfully, a guest here with us today. Um, one who I wish you all had the visual right now because when I logged in and I was able to see. The gloriousness that hit my screen. It's the, it's the glow. The glow. Inspired. I yeah. was inspired. Yeah. You have Michelle Williams. Black is King Williams. <laughs> I am here. That is me. Yes. Thank you. Well, yes. uh, we were talking about this just a second ago. Uh, Michelle, if you had to give your uh, your present hairstyle a um, um, a, a a celebrity allegory like who who, it who is, would it is it is literally Beyonce. I yeah. woke up this morning like and this. I said I need coffee and Beyonce hair. <laughs> 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 and that it, it was so. And that's yeah. what happens. And that is what happens. The thing that's yeah. I, that's actually funny that we 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 also were talking about is that you know Michelle's hair also normally looks like exactly this as well. <laughs> yeah. so, not true. All the extra things she went through to make this happen. I was like, I mean it's it's like a Monday, you know. I mean she, I, oh yeah it is. is. Michelle, you went hard for a Monday. I, have to. I, I forgot I have that to. it was Monday. Yeah. I have to. Well I have um to. As everybody is going to recognize very here, uh, very shortly here soon, um, it, she went hard for a Monday, but she goes hard all day, er day, son, like seven <laughs> days. That's not true. She she does she actually practices self care as well. So yeah, I do sleep a lot actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I do. I actually actually am in bed by ten thirty. Yeah, but it's cold. I am. I am ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's there. I am at the age where I say I am at that age that I or anything that I want to do like half ass. I'm like, you know, I'm at that age. You know, <laughs> that's a general excuse. It is. It really is. You can use yeah. that one. Uh, and I read a tweet today that said what they what people have been doing. What this one guy's been doing. Whenever anybody suggests something that they don't want to do right now, their response is. Like, ask me to do something, Byron. Ask me to do something. Um, hey, man, you want to go out for uh, drinks tonight? What's up? In a pandemic? <laughs> All right, so that's actually a good response. Let me give you something that's probably a little... little, little. Hey, um, uh, Damani, 
you know, I was waiting on on that uh, follow up email. Can can you send that over to me real quick? Do you know how busy I am and how life is? We're in a pandemic. <laughs> Damani, rents due. You want me to pay my rent in a pandemic? I just lost my job in you a pandemic. You can really make it fit anything. You actually yes. could. Yes. You absolutely can. You're welcome, uh, the two of you and to all of our listeners. You're welcome. All right. So here's the reason why Michelle is on this on this here show today. All right. Here's the favorite? reason why we talk. One, she's dope, right? And I've been able to see how dope she is for about a, uh, a little over a decade now. Over. We have we have passed Ooh. the decade. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're 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 going into our 15 year friend anniversary. We're this like trending. We have a couple of years, so we get the books. We're trending to the 15 year round up. Which no, means that a- we're getting old, bro. That's In a cool. pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> No, pandemic birthdays do not count. They don't count. I checked with the birthday fairy. Well, um, I've been able to, and the only reason I referenced that is because I have watched your journey and I have been in the catbird seat. That's a thing. Remember, we talked about this, Damani. We talked about it, catbird seat. It's a thing. Look it up. To be able to see. (laughs) We're just going (laughs) to let that go. You ain't never seen a cat bird, boy. We're gonna well, let that I, go. The cat bird, they're small. <laughs> a cat bird? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And, and why do cat. they have a seat? And there's why? A, there's, a, there's a specific perch from which cat birds. What? Am I saying this right? Let me check. <laughs> I don't think you're saying it right, friend. <laughs> what? Also, we have never talked about this. Don't yes. shame me. Okay. We have never talked about cat birds. Thank you. All right. I'm looking on Wikipedia itself. Oh, there cat we go. That, that, because an American English idiomatic phrase used to describe an enviable position. So this is an accurate statement. Okay, I fair. I will, I will concede that it is a phrase that exists on Wikipedia. Yes. All right. Thank you. And so what I'm saying is I have had the advantage the advantageous opportunity to watch Michelle's journey over the years from from a wee a We're wee like last five minutes into this. We're like five minutes in, and this has already gone off the rails. Heather is going to be so angry. Yeah, I know. It is what it is. But Michelle has been an accomplished uh, educator. She has been an accomplished innovator, entrepreneur an empowerer of entrepreneurs, consultant, and um, also somebody, we're going to get to this a little bit later in the in this story, but um, someone who's done something that I've never seen done before on the pathway toward uh, additional attainment of higher education credentials. And I just need to tell y'all that um, there are some people who go throughout life and they just follow rules. They follow general pathways. Michelle, it's like F your rules. Ain't no rules. Ain't no. They don't exist. They don't exist. The box, the spoon does not exist, right? And that's the life that she has lived. And so when you talk about creativity, when it's you talk about to, oh, okay. to push the boundaries of what's possible, Michelle Williams' story is able to do that. Most recently, the executive director 
of the uh, Southern Dallas, um, um, Dallas, uh, Southern Dallas sites for the Dallas Entrepreneur Center, which is a uh, effort that has come together to empower and supercharge entrepreneurship uh, all over this city and uh, has drawn a lot of attention to this city with regard to what does it mean to uh, to kick things off business wise for people of all different walks of life. Uh, and her work there has been tremendous. Also, she's gotten national awards as a rising star and leader in the Urban League. And yes, she's gotten awards here in Dallas, but she's also gotten awards in wherever they have their national conference, uh, because that too is where she is recognized as a leader amongst leaders. Uh, what did you? What was it? What was the name of the award, Michelle? <clears throat> it was the National President of the Year Award. President of the Year Award. Um, among all the president, how many affiliates are? 60 something. Whatever. No biggie. No biggie. Whatevs. Um, she's the one who has truly um, um, carried the torch for the Urban League in Dallas, uh, not just with the young professionals, but with the entire Urban League. Here. So um, we're super excited and proud to have you join us here today. Michelle, how you doing? What's good? I'm well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. All is well. I'm trying to stay cool. Um, this Texas heat. We did have a little cool front, you know, with the yeah, rain last yeah. night. Well, it's like in the 90s today instead of 110. Yeah. Yeah. My sister, my sister walked out this morning. She was she was just over here at the house, and she walked out and she said, "I walked out this morning to go work out, and you could not have told me it wasn't fifty degrees That's because right. it was so different from yesterday." And that's the thing about people that live in Texas is we're like, "Oh my God, it is a gorgeous day. It's ninety five damn degrees." <laughs> but yesterday was one hundred and five <laughs> degrees, and so we're like, "Oh my God, are we getting an early fall?" <laughs> Goodness. It's Man, accurate. I got a hoodie. Like I have a hoodie. You have a hoodie on right yeah, now. Yeah, you actually right? have a hoodie on. <laughs> and it's still 90 something degrees outside, bro. It is. Yeah, I was, I, I, and I went outside like this. Like this is exactly what, what happened. So I get it. So Michelle, um, you know, as we get to it, we work our way up to the things that you are known for um, throughout the city, throughout the region, and indeed in the country. Um I think it's important that we kind of talk about your journey because a person who is as accomplished, who is as accomplished as you are, um, you have a truly unique and hell of a story. And it's one that I've seen you um, um, talk about from a position of empowerment and enlightenment and honesty and authenticity all at the same time, which is uh, sometimes challenging to do. Tell us what's the origin? What's where where did this whole where did this whole thing start, Michelle? So I was born in that no. Um so I like how far back are we talking? Wherever you wanna go. In the beginning. Um so I mean my story is I you know, I came from two very young parents. Uh my parents were twenty one and nineteen when they had me and had a very volatile relationship. Um, and so they split uh, shortly after I was born. And uh, my mom uh, was just trying to figure life out. Um, she had a, a, a couple of kids 
before she was 21, she had four. So she was trying to figure life out and kind of bouncing us around. Um, and so I kind of grew up in this really um, unstable environment. Um, and I, uh, you know, had a very interesting relationship with my father, both that was kind of predicated between their relationship and then, you know, his own uh, life journey that he was going through. Um, fast forward, I became a parent uh, very young. So I was 17, my senior year in high school, when I became a mom. And I kind of went down this journey of trying to figure out what was next for me. Um, it was interesting because in high school, you know, I was very accomplished for a student. You know, I, I had a, a great GPA. I scored almost a perfect score on my ACT and then ended up pregnant. And I remember my counselor was like, girls with babies don't go to college. And I was mm. like, oh, mm. got so, it. Hold on. They said that to you after you were pregnant, after you told them you were pregnant? Yes. Because I was trying to figure out, like, how do you take a kid and like sure. do college? Like, I, sure. none of my none of my family members had gone to college. Um, I knew that it was on the pathway for me, um, but I couldn't figure out how that whole thing was supposed to work. Mm. And she was like, "It's not girls mm. with kids don't girls with babies don't go to college." And so I was like, wow. "Oh, Oof. Okay. wow!" So I started um, waiting tables at a local, you know, a local little place. Um, when my son turned two, I was 19, a family member of mine um, asked me if I wanted to go to Colorado. And, you know, I don't know if you actually heard the depth of the story, Byron. No, uh, <laughs> um, asked me if I wanted to go to Colorado. My dad lived in Colorado. Um, and uh, I was like, you know, sure, I don't have anything to, I don't have anything to lose. And so, I, I would say that my journey actually really started in Colorado. Um, I moved there. I started working for Bank of America. And I remember my dad telling me that, you know, like, honey, the way that you make it in life is you get a job, you find out what you're good at, and you use that thing that you're good at to find the next job. And you kind of do that and scale it. And so I was like, oh, I can do that. I can figure that out. Yeah. So I... Um, I did this job at Bank of America. Um, it was like, I don't remember, like call center, credit card type of work. Um, I left there and started working for Virgin Mobile, which was a really cool job. Um, because as eccentric as Richard Branson is, as is all of his like work locations. So we were watching the real world. <laughs> and we were in a bunch of 20-something-year-olds, like 19, 20-year-olds, <laughs> watching the real the world. Answering the phones, right? So literally, y'all, it was literally like, oh, I know she did. Hi, this is Michelle. Like, that was, <laughs> how can I help you? <laughs> oh, you need money on your phone? Okay, hold on. Like, it was <laughs> the most ridiculous, ridiculous yeah. situation. Um, but I came back. I ended up coming back home, coming back to Texas. Um, my grandmother got sick, and so we, we came back home. And uh, from there, I started working for Verizon because, you know, I took what I was good at, which was working with clients and customers. And um, and I actually got a job at Verizon doing, at the time, um, optimization work, which was essentially 
we were taking people, and this is going to sound super archaic, but we were taking people that had phone book listings and transitioning them into online, like onto mm. the yellow, onto at the time, yellowpages.com. Phone book, like the book, like. <laughs> I used to use that thing. Phones? Like what is it? Yeah, yeah. Yes, no, right? It sounds like it's so long ago, but it, this was like 2007, 2008. I, I remember the last, I mean, I, I think I got a, we were still getting yellow page deliveries when I lived in Addison, like four mm-hmm. years ago. They still deliver them. Yeah. They still do? Bro, yes. When, when, yes, yes. yes. This was Short answer, yes. When you live in a house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, the, the trees that sacrifice their lives for this, for this lost cause are very yeah. similar to the people lost who cause. didn't know that like the war was over and they were still out there fighting. You're like, yo, trees, we don't need your sacrifice no more. <laughs> yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. Right. And so I remember like trying to convince these business owners that the internet is a thing that you should use. Um, like you should use it. This is a great, you know. And so I was like at that like group that was at the forefront of learning about like pay-per-click and search engine optimization and trying to ex- trying to learn and explain it because it was growing at the same time. And the thing about, you know, it was interesting being on that side of things because we were actively watching how fast the internet was like taking off in contrast to how long it was taking telecom companies to like transition their companies over. Hmm. Um and so what ended up happening is this, the company ended up most actually advertising um, so like AT&T, Verizon, most of them ended up being upside down because you have all of this money and, you know, resources and people that you have poured into this yellow pages, you know, to the actual phone book side yeah. of your advertising. Um, and then this little like, you know, wiry team that is, is part of the uh, Internet um, side of things. So at the same time that, you know, this technology is taking off, the economy is crashing. So mm. it was like this really interesting time where a lot of people lost their jobs, not only because the economy was crashing, but because technology was moving in a direction that people could not prepare for. And it was moving faster than people could prepare for. Um, what year, <clears throat> up, around what year is this? This is like 2008. Right. So, so yeah. you know, the crash happens, you know, all this stuff. And I think sometimes th- we've had iPhones now. It feels like we've had them since like we were six, right? Since, you know, since time immemorial. But really iPhone. that's, I mean, w- when was the first iPhone? It was like 2000. Maybe 10. Was it 07 or something like that? Was it the, the iPhone you should check Wikipedia. <laughs> check Wikipedia, Byron. Uh, 2007. Yeah. Yeah, 2007. So, 07. And yes, Wikipedia also. You know, I had the cat mercy of knowing uh, exactly oh, gosh. Which that. This is still going. Yeah, no. Cat I'm shoot both the cat and the bird. So 2007 <laughs> and then 2008, you're right there. Um, yeah. All, this whole notion of instant accessibility, I I, I could tell. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I can go back and remember that it was not um, taken for granted that that's just how things were right now. Yeah. So y'all sitting here 
convince everybody of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm imagining that this probably had a lot to do with your your future lens toward business and entrepreneurship because yes. <laughs> here you are. Yes. And you, you know, I can imagine you know being a person. You're like little old me. I you know I'm young. I'm in I'm in all of this jazz. But then you know I'm talking to business owners, people who should yeah. be know and they don't know they don't know they don't know they weren't ready and the the very first thing that taught me was that people will literally turn down a good thing just because they don't want to they don't want to look like they don't understand it Mm. Um, so it wasn't even that they couldn't see the value in it it wasn't that they you know because we were showing them like real data like searches in this industry or this specific category excuse me have risen 725% over the last five months, you really, you're missing out on this traffic. Um, And they were just like, traffic? (laughs) Traffic? Traffic is what I just got out of, little lady. (laughs) I don't have time. Right? So, okay, so, but they're like, okay, so like what you just did, Byron, like the the bias is that like, this was like country, you know what I'm saying? Like, rural, no, this was like, my clients were in like New York and like I had all the big metro areas like New York, Chicago, the Bay area, um, LA, like Houston, like these were, they were, they were in these big cities and it was just hard for them to grasp exactly what we were telling them they should do. And the difference, and even like the different pricing model, right? So advertising, you pay a fee and then you Mm -hmm. have a ad and we're telling them like, actually you're going to pay per click. Like, Every time someone clicks, yeah. you're going to pay us. Yeah. And they were like, every time? Like, every time somebody clicks? Like, all the time? Like, what if it's an accident? Now you're going to pay us. You're going to pay us. Every time. You're going to pay us. Uh, <laughs> so figuring out a way to say that. So, yeah, it was a really interesting time. Um, to make that long story show me, uh, short, uh, because I was, you know, one of the youngest people, when they started doing layoffs, I caught that layoff. Um, and then, you know, I'm looking for a job and very rough time because folks weren't hiring and good friend of ours, uh, Matthew, Louis, Matthew, (laughs) Matty H, (laughs) Louis, um, was like, yo, so it's some people over here doing this tutoring and mentoring thing. Um, I think you'd be good at it. I know you're looking for work. Uh, do you want to come over here and work with these kids? So I was like, I mean, I'll try it, I guess. You know, whatever. Uh, and that's how I met Byron Sanders. Was yeah. at Group Excellence. <laughs> was at Group Excellence. And, um, you know, the interesting thing about Group Excellence is that we were a bunch of early 20-somethings. Uh, like, I think the oldest person working there, well, on average, there were some people that were in there, like, I think early 30s, but just a couple um yeah. and we called them like a, old we did yeah. call them old and they were like 33 exactly. like they weren't even like they weren't even like old they were like <laughs> we were oh old. my gosh and the, this is how 20 somethings look at us right now just so you know if you walk um, up in there right now Michelle, they would be like we would have been like who's this old Who lady the, yes they would they would yes we would <laughs> We would. We would. So yeah, no, so it was a bunch of like twenty something year olds 
running this like multi-million dollar company. <laughs> it's absurd. When it's I really absurd. think about it. <laughs> we were young. Okay, oh. so Damani, I have to tell you like our thought process and like, partnerships, go. right? So the one of the jobs that I had, because I was the only one with corporate experience, right? <laughs> <laughs> Am I lying, Byron? From your, oh, wait, so from from the call center and exactly. and Verizon and, Ver- and Verizon and Verizon. Oh, so I came in with my Pfizer hat. They were like, "You know the stuff." I was like, "I do, I do, I, I do not." We were making it up as we went. Like, so I remember uh, we. Uh, so I was on Byron's team and, and our job was to go out and talk to principals and d- school districts about purchasing packages of tutoring, you know, for students. Right. Um, and I remember I'd go in there and we'd talk about this. And they'd be like, this is the budget. You know, how much does it cost? And I'm like, I will bring you back a proposal. And I would go to Byron and Carl, this the CEO, and I'd be like, yo, what does this cost? And Carl would tell me, what is the highest number you can say without laughing? Oh yeah. Was that like, was the okay. pricing strategy. That was the pricing strategy. That's okay. how we figured it out. Like that's the the limit and the we did have like a you know, it can't go beyond this. Yeah, yeah. Like, cover your cost. Yeah. Cover your cost. Yeah. Right. Cover your cost. Whatever your yeah. laughter limit. Yeah. Whatever your laughter limit is. And and we would do that and it would work. It would work. And so that was how we, you know, sold and built so- this company. So let's stop there for a second. Yeah. Right. Because that one of the things that I think entrepreneurs struggle with, something that I've struggled with as an entrepreneur many, many times over is, is the idea of pricing, right? It's the, mm-hmm. and I think that the, the statement, I've heard the statement before, you know, whatever the thing is, like you just said, what's the number that you can say that makes you laugh, go right under that. Mm-hmm. But how much, but I think that if you really break that down, that's about confidence, right? Because you feel unconfident, inconfident whatever. You don't feel confident when you say the thing that makes you laugh. And it's like, okay, well, back up one step. If a thousand dollars makes you laugh. Okay. That's fine. That's where you are right now. Then offer them $750, And it's always interesting to me that the part of the entrepreneurial journey is getting comfortable with those larger numbers as you grow in the confidence that you have. Like I was talking with an entrepreneur recently and she made a comment and she said, uh, it was, I was looking at these invoices and it was like $10,000. I was like, oh, it's only $10,000. It's fine. Make it happen. And I said, can we just back up for a second? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we acknowledge yeah. the fact that you just said $10,000 like it was nothing. And I know where you grew up. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Seven-year-old you that's is real. punching 35-year-old you mm-hmm. in the fucking face. Right. That's true. That's real. So, so, okay. So, so working with entrepreneurs, I will say that then, even then and now it is confidence to money, but it's also value proposition on two folds, right? So it's, have you clearly defined the value that this is bringing to the client? Because the issue isn't pricing. The issue is value, right? So like, there's a reason why people will pay money for Jordan's. There's a reason why people will pay money for the new iPhone. There's a reason why people will pay for, you know, like (laughs) for whatever the thing is for this concert or for this experience or for, you know, like whatever. There's a reason why people will pay that. And the reason why is because they have 
embrace that value proposition of whatever the salesperson or sale or whatever the dynamic is, right? Like yeah. uh, American Airlines is a different value proposition than Spirit, right? Yeah. But both of them have clients. Um, and you you'll it's the same flight from DFW to LAX, regardless of the, so you're not paying for the trip. On the same plane. Yeah, on the same flight, right? So you're not paying for the trip. You're not paying for the trip. So so that's why I don't like the structure where people say like, you know, oh, just charge whatever your competitor is charging. Like Spirit is American Airlines competitor, but there's a reason why they charge different things. And so it's, it's a value proposition to your client, but it's also like, have you believe the fact and this is what you're talking about with the confidence thing that you are worth this amount yes, like this is what yes. you are worth for this thing because if you have and you're confident that you you appropriately articulated it then the issue when you're not getting people to pay what your value is is not necessarily because your pricing is too high it might be but it also is probably that you haven't um, contacted the right clientele mm. because the people that are paying again to use spirit for an example, and, and, you know, let's use, I don't I'm kind of beef with American. So like, let's use like Emirates, right? Emirates is like yeah. the, you know, creme they de la creme when it comes to, yeah. yeah. Um, the reason why people will pay more on Emirates than on Spirit is not because it's, you know, a different destination. Well, Emirates is because it's international, but it's because they value the fact that when you walk in Emirates, they're going to give you a warm towel, to wipe your hands, you know, like they're like they they value the fact that the food is better and that well that you get food and that the seats <laughs> that the seats feel better and all of these different things and so but there is still a client that will pay for spirit and so Emirates yeah. is not targeting the spirit client that's not their target and they're okay with that right and so oftentimes what entrepreneurs do is they try to provide an Emirates style experience and then target the spirit client and they get frustrated mm. when the spirit client won't pay for the Emirates experience. That's not your clientele. That, so, that'll, that, that'll preach. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put an exclamation point on your time at group excellence because <clears throat> while Michelle, you didn't like start the company, we, <clears throat> we all were right there, like growing the company in real yeah. time together. Mm-hmm. And I, and you might not have been the entrepreneur at that moment. You certainly were the entrepreneur uh, mm-hmm. because even within that organization, even within group excellence, y- you, me, um, uh, Sharon, Josh, all of those, we started an actual division within the organization and we all built that together. Mm-hmm. Um and one of the things that is so funny, because we joke a little bit when we're like, you know, a bunch of kids are running around here just making stuff up. I would say we we were extremely savvy in knowing right. what our value proposition was. And we yeah. sold that perfectly because we knew our identity itself carried value. We're like, um, do 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 your kids think y'all's other tutors are cool? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and the teachers were like, nah, nah. they're not cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They and we did it in such simple ways. Like, I think that, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, we knew our value prop and we did it in simple ways pizza and t shirts right. and love. Sweet. That's it. Yeah. That's relationship. It. Yeah, we relationship. Were mm-hmm. emotional, um, as value before 
the the terminology was really mm-hmm. out there. You know, because yeah. we said tutoring as mentoring, mentoring mm-hmm. as tutoring. It's that whole yeah. same thing. It was, and and because of that, we got to be the fifth fastest growing education company in the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's yeah. So it, it, what's interesting is you took that that entrepreneurial entrepreneurial experience and you flipped that joint into some actually a, a, a very impressive career thus far and I feel like we're just beginning. So <laughs> talk a little bit more if you could just about your journey after GE. Yeah, so after Group Excellence, I um went to a small nonprofit, um, Voice of Hope, and was there for about a year um, helping that organization. So it's a West Dallas uh, faith-based organization, um, helping them think through what strategic partnerships looked like. Um, And after I left that, I transitioned into Leadership ISD um, and helped Leadership ISD think through a couple of different things. So what diversity and inclusion looked like, um, what does, you know, a curriculum that actually um, addresses some of these things from a more nuanced perspective. Uh, So Leadership ISD is a a nonprofit that's focused on um, educating leaders, so corporate, civic, community leaders on educational equity and how they can advocate for students uh, from whatever vantage point or worldview they come from. Uh, so it's a leadership development program, essentially, for for um, community leaders. Um, and so as I was doing that work, um, I actually was reached out to by the Dallas Entrepreneur Center. And um, at the time, the CEO uh, asked me, you know, hey, are you looking for new opportunities? And my answer was, I'm always looking for new opportunities. <laughs> always. Always. Um, and so he was like, you know, we have this idea of, you know, starting an entrepreneur center in Oak Cliff and doing some partnerships with some colleges. And I reached out to some people in my network to see who they thought would be good. Your name came up a couple of times. And so I wanted to see if we could have a conversation. Um, Can and you talk about why that, my that journey. Concept, why that concept is even a thing, right? So Dallas Entrepreneur Center kind of existed before then. Uh, you mentioned Oak Cliff mm-hmm. as one of the first places where they wanted to start something. Why, why? Why? Why did they want to specifically start something in Oak Cliff? Um, so the reason why it's important to start an entrepreneur center in Oak Cliff is um, the, you know, Oak Cliff is a is a massive, first of all, it's a massive, like, part of Dallas. Um, But it's in the southern sector of Dallas, and the majority of Oak Cliff is um, impoverished and, um, you know, under-resourced significantly. And there was opportunity uh, in alignment with some development that was happening. Um, Actually, the gentleman, Peter Brodsky, uh, bought uh, Redbird Mall, which is an old mall um, in Oak Cliff, and he started doing some community conversations and, you know, he's not a, a real estate development guy. Uh, you know, his story is really interesting. He says that like he put a bid on essentially like eBay for real estate, woke up one day and realized that he won the bid. He was like, Oh, <laughs> that's, you know, you have, like, real money. that's like, you have, you have real money when you can like <laughs> buy a mall on accident. He accidentally um, bought, yeah. like I accidentally buy some Jordan. 
Like I put it up there because I just wanted to watch it. The bot up shows I- up. Yeah. Or oh, Celeste is like, hey, Byron, uh, what's this box at the front door? His wife is like, hey, hon, um, what's this mall at the front Not door? This Not this, sweetie. I get it. I got, I got it. it. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. You, you got to keep them all in the car. Don't let, don't let your wife know that you bought it. <laughs> I mean, what's this mall in the trunk? Oh, um, I, I, I was going there to buy you a, um, a thing for and stuff for the children. So, yeah, so he bought this mall, and, and he started doing some community conversations because he was like, I don't know what I should do, you know, with this mall that I now have in the trunk. And so... Uh, people kept saying over and over again that, you know, like there, there is no place for us to meet. Uh, there's no coffee shops on the side of town. There's no meeting spaces on the side of town and there's no resources for entrepreneurs here. There's no training. There's no like co-working spaces. There's nothing. And so, uh, Peter started a conversation with the Dallas Entrepreneur Center um, essentially around like, hey, what would it look like for, for you guys to do some services here? Uh, and so um, that's how I got involved in that project. Uh, and so when I when I got involved in the project, there was, um, that was, that was it. That was just an idea. <laughs> A little bit of money had been fundraised and, um, and that was it. And I remember my first day uh, going to work I sat down and I didn't, there was no game plan. And so I'm kind of nervous, you know, like, okay, I'm the executive director. Like I got to figure out a game plan. And and the CEO at the time, you know, he comes from the back and I'm thinking, okay, he's going to sit down. We're going to, we're going to brainstorm. And he brings me like a cup of ice water and he's like, look, it's Sonic ice. And he puts it down and he walks off. And I was like, Right, like okay. Which I was gonna be. Which I was gonna be. <laughs> like, okay, let me let me. What you gonna do, Michelle, Belinda? What what you gonna do? Let me figure something out. Um, but yeah, no. So from there, I started doing like having like community conversations, doing a lot of research, a lot of reading, um, and uh, you know, found some sponsors, found some funders, wrote some grants. Uh, uh, found an architecture team to help actually, because we didn't even have like a blueprint and they were looking at me like there was not a place. There was no place. It was an idea. Um, there was no blueprint of what this was supposed to look like. And I remember meeting with um, a gentleman from the Dallas Regional Chamber and our CEO and they were like, all right, so um, we need a blueprint for this entrepreneur center. What is it going to look like? And I'm like, I don't even know what it's supposed to look like. I don't know. What do you, y'all built one can you tell me what it's supposed to look like? I don't know. But what, okay, so as you're as you're saying, yeah. You said what? That's what was in your head. Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Duane. I was gonna say we 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 are in sync, Byron. Uh, that's what's in your head. But what's your face yeah. showing right now in this moment? Like, oh, what, no, what, what's like, happening? Like, so so out loud, I'm saying, okay, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what do y'all think about the stage? Oh, say, okay, stage is good. Okay, stage is good. Okay, so like I'm like <laughs> I'm like brainstorming out loud, you know, yeah. bouncing things yeah. off of <laughs> off of them. Um, and then from there, I went and found. I was like, all right, I'm just, I need some help, and so I started researching um, architecture firms in Dallas and got one of the largest ones to agree to do some pro bono work with me. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so I went and met with, um, with Paige Sutherland Page, um, with one of, you know, a dynamic, uh, one of their dynamic partners and she got so excited and she, you know, brought an engineering team on site and like all of these resources. Um, and from there we literally built out an entrepreneur center, um, you know, got some donations with furniture and, and uh, so once the space was built out, then it was time to kind of like build out a programmatic plan uh, and see like, what are we actually going to do to support uh, entrepreneurs, you know, in the Southern sector. And a couple of things are really important to me. One was ensuring that the people that were speaking reflected the community. Um, two was pushing back on this narrative that this was charity work. Mm. Um, you know, the mm. concept of someone being under-resourced means that the issue is the resource, not the person. Mm. And I had to push back on that narrative that was subtly like inserted in some interview. So, you know, I'd have these interviews and people would be like, so what does entrepreneurship look like in the Southern sector? And I'd be like, the same thing that it looks like everywhere else. It's you go to Wikipedia like- real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or or even just like your belief, you know, um, because because oftentimes like disparities exist. I mean, this was one of the things that we brought I brought from Group Excellence was that like these kids were not left behind because of anything that was inherently wrong with them. It was because people didn't believe that yeah. they were worth any type of investment. And so it was the same thing um, in building out an entrepreneur center. It was, it was, I need you to believe this. I need you to believe this because when you believe it, you'll advocate for it and you'll, you know, help me and you'll support it and all of these different things. And so a lot of what I was focusing on was changing people's belief about what could exist uh, in Oak Cliff and what could exist when you have a bunch of black and brown entrepreneurs um, growing together and ideating together. And so that really laid the foundation of the culture that we created um, in Redbird and, and with the, with the Entrepreneur Center. And, you know, if you ask the, the, the community of entrepreneurs that that's there right now, um, what they think about the location, they'll all say the same thing that like, this is a family, this is a community. This is one of the only safe spaces in Dallas where people believe that we can do what we said that we're going to do. Um, and that's powerful, you know, that's powerful. Um, there were times when I would do panels and again, the panels wouldn't be anything that was like, you know, outside of the quote unquote norm, except for the fact that I would make sure that there were black people on the panels and that there were women on the panels and not from this like tokenism like standpoint, like here is a brilliant black person um, that has done some amazing things. Um, I started a series called How I Made My First Million and I only brought black and Latino millionaires out, only. Hmm. Um, And I remember a young lady coming up to me in tears, like, tears because she had never seen that many black entrepreneurs in Dallas on any platform. Wow. Which is crazy. 
Right. Well, yeah. and, it's, it's, and it's even crazier because like your network enabled you to reach out to those folks and get them to be on the panel. Mm-hmm. But I, I, not having been in those rooms, I would I would imagine that it wasn't as difficult to get them on the panel as some might presume, right? That yeah. there are these there, there are these brown and black millionaires, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, you got five brown and black. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I I got five. There there were thirty, forty, were, fifty, exactly 60. who couldn't come. Yeah, right. who couldn't come because because they're you know still running businesses, making million, million dollar thing. Yeah, making million, and and so that was you know that was a, a narrative that I also pushed back internally because because some of the you know it's a very easy I think cop out for people to go to It's just like oh you know well I reached out and no one answered or or oh like I don't know who else and it's just like the the uh, example that I would always give um, and and Damani I'll use your wife as an example. I would say that, you know, I'm not going to go to your wife to ask for somebody to micro braid my hair. Just not that's, that's because fair. I'm going to assume that it's probably not within her network. You that's know? Fair. And if it is, if it is probably not as many to where I can get like an expertise on like, you know, oh, this person <clears throat> takes five hours, this person takes four hours or this. Yep. And so the thing is, is that like, if the person isn't within your network, that's okay you got to expand your network. Like if this is your goal, yeah. if this is your goal, it's important for you to expand your network. You know what I'm well, saying? And I was like, I have a, I have a, a, some, even using that example of the, like the, the hair. So I have a, some, yeah. some friends of ours, um, white couple who through a series of circumstances started uh, fostering and they ended up through a, I say long, but it all happened in the course of a year fostering and then adopting four black siblings Mm. and i'll never forget one of the first things that she did was she put out on facebook and and three girls one boy okay three little Mm. black girls one little black boy um and she put out her network like i i don't know what to do with their hair right it's a super Mm -hmm. simple thing but i don't know what to do with their hair but what i appreciate Mm -hmm. and i've told her this since then what i appreciated most was that she put it out to her network and said i don't know what i'm doing yeah. Exactly. And I have been yes. tasked with the awesome privilege of mm-hmm. as a white woman and a mm-hmm. white man raising these four children and wanting them to be fully black yeah. while being raised by two white parents. And mm-hmm. what's telling of that story is if you look at her braiding skills now, oh she on it. If you if you saw her daughter, if I showed you a picture yeah. of her daughter and yeah. you did not know that her mama was white, you yeah. would not know that her mama was white. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's the power of saying, "I need to expand my network. Mm-hmm. I need yeah. to find people who can teach me the things that I don't know." Yeah, and be and okay I, and I with accepting say, it. I will say also, like the thing that she had was intentionality. Like yeah. you, we we cannot fix any type of DNI issue, diversity and inclusion, equity issue if we're not doing it on purpose. Like she literally said, I don't know what I'm doing. Let me go online. Let me make a post. Let me be responsive. Let me reach out to people that I don't know. Let me sit down and learn. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. You know, I nodded up the hair. Okay, let me do it. Let me try again. Like it was a process of intentionality after intentionality. And I think that one of the issues, I'm going a little off on a tangent here, but when we're talking about, (laughs) when we're talking about like, this whole conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion is that like, we want, people want quick responses. What can I do today to fix everything that is wrong with my company and wrong with the industry? And and it's just like, 
You have to be intentional every mm. single day with every single choice. And yes, it's going to be hard. And yes, you're going to make a mistake. And yes, you're going to say something that's wrong. But the answer can't be, oh, I keep saying wrong things. So let me, I'm just going to disengage. No. Right. Yeah. That's not the answer. Yeah. Like, you're, like that's a passive answer. Like you don't really care about diversity and inclusion. You care about you looking like you're not racist. Ooh. Yes. That's what you care about. Okay. So so then how do you how do you how do you reframe people's perspectives, right? So that they do start thinking about DNI in ways that can move towards uh equity and inclusion and not just equality. That's something you said before. In in, in some of your other interviews, yeah. you've talked about the difference between equity equity and inclusion and equality. Yeah. And there are some, I would argue, I would imagine that there are some people that are listening to this podcast that don't recognize why there needs to be a difference. We are all equal in the sight of God, equal under the law, blah, 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 blah. But you, mm-hmm. but equity and inclusion doesn't necessarily look like that. How do you communicate to people what the difference is and move them towards the path to equity and inclusion over equality? So the, the, the thing that I, I often ask people, especially if I know that they're, you know, like multi-generation Americans, they're not immigrants or, you know, a family of immigrants, is I ask them, tell me about your grandfather. Just tell me about him, you know, and they all, they usually wax poetic about, you know, oh, you know, he was a hardworking person and did this and did that and bought this home for my family. And, you know, my grandma stayed home and whatever the story is. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and then I say that, you know, my grandfather wasn't allowed to buy a house. So there was nothing for him to leave my parents. Hmm. Therefore there's nothing for him to leave me. And so you're living off of the equity of the privilege of being white in America because your grandfather was not only given a house, he was probably given land. He was probably given that house, like mm. through one of the homestead acts or something, he was probably handed that. Whereas, yeah. you know, my grandparents, great grandparents were not given that privilege. And so I am now having to build from an economic standpoint, that's different than what you are doing, regardless of how you feel, you know, like you don't have to feel racist. You know, you don't have to feel as though you're prejudiced. You don't have to feel as though. And I think that um, when I explain equity versus equality, the difference is, is that if you give both of us a house, you still have 400 years <laughs> of a head start ahead of me. Right. We both have a house. We both have a house. Yeah. I don't have all of that. And mm. so that's like, that's why equality is very, very different than equity. Um, I also use the milk (laughs) converse, the milk uh, example that, you know, um, if I'm hungry and you're hungry and you give us both a glass of milk, that's cool, but I'm lactose intolerant. So I'm going to throw up and I'm not going to, you know, (laughs) hold it down. Because I'm black and black folks, you know. I got the old old black man pill in my pocket (laughs) at all times. You know, so... It's a black... It might as well be a black owned business. Like it's, yeah, it, it should be sold in black beauty stores. Not as yeah, we shouldn't be drinking that. We shouldn't be drinking that. But um, but yeah, that's 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 equality, right? Yeah. Equality is we both get milk. Um, regardless of how it affects me, um, we both get milk. And so, so the the other thing that I tell people is that if you're truly committed to diversity and inclusion, you have to understand that there are things that are systemic mm-hmm. that aren't inherent necessarily. Because I think that one of the things that people have a difficulty separating is my personal beliefs 
means that there is no racism that I can possibly perpetuate because I, you know, am not exactly. racist. My best friend is racist. I'm sleeping right. with a black person. I'm, you know, like whatever the narrative that they want to create, um, they couldn't possibly uh, be perpetuating um, inequities. Right. I don't see um, color, and, Michelle. Yeah, I don't see, which no. is, which is, which is a whole nother conversation, which we'll yeah, take. Yeah, that's, that's a, we'll yeah, do that. We're whole, not doing that one here, Byron. Yeah, okay. That's <laughs> a whole nother conversation. We ain't got time. <laughs> I love it. But, but I just think that like, if you're breaking down a system, you know, people have to understand that this takes long, tedious, drawn out work. And, you know, the last thing that I'll say on this topic is um, when everyone was making these, like, I stand with the black community um, statements after the murder of um, Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, one of the things that, that I was telling people was that, um, do you understand what it means to Stand, like to stand, like that's a an action statement to say that you stand with the black community. Um, you know, if you look at that picture that we see of uh, Martin Luther King and Selma, and you know, arm in arm with you know this very multicultural group that were standing with them, um, they were walking across the Edmund Pettus Bridge to get their asses handed to them, yeah. like to get beat down. So if you truly are standing with a community, that means that you're willing to also receive the violence and the oppression and the subjugation that it means to stand with that community. If you're only standing with the community when it's comfortable, um, then you don't, tr- you're not truly standing with the community. And it, it feels like, <clears throat> like it's, it's that straight of a talk that we need to have right now uh, in order for us to, to get to the substantial uh, change that we're talking about, because it, I'm, I'm going to read something real quick, just to, just to put this in context here in Dallas alone, when we talk about the gap that exists right mm-hmm. now between black and white um, groups, uh, between black and white households, uh, going back to what you were talking about. And, and this is a, this is a reflection of all those different things, the Homestead Acts, right? The, mm-hmm. uh, the GI Bill being executed mm-hmm. it was, uh, slavery, reconstruction, and then yeah. the the whiplash that happened after that when um, blacks would thrive and then um, um, white communities would, would would literally attack and burn it to the yeah, ground. Yeah, and burn it to the ground. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> this is this hit me really hard when I got there. Overall, white households in Dallas make about ten thousand dollars more than whites nationally with the median income of about 73,000, right? So already white people in Dallas are actually doing a little bit better than white people broadly across the country in Dallas. Meanwhile, black households in Dallas earn a median income of $30,000 in Dallas. So we're already at an over (laughs) $40,000 differential, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, that median is lower than the black national um, um, yeah. income. So here's the thing that really, really got me. Black households in Dallas have seen a fairly steady decline in income since 1980. Yeah. 2016, black median income being thirty dollars $30,985 almost $10,000 below the 1980 median income at the time. And, 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 and over that same period of time, um, white households have 
grown significantly um, yeah. to now being at that $73,000. I, I want, we can't miss the fact that um, so often, Michelle Damani, I know we have this conversation all the time. People like, hey, we've gotten better, right? Things aren't as bad as they used to be. Yeah. And you're right. Certain things have gotten better. Nobody has a sign up that says no blacks allowed, right? That's not mm-hmm. nobody, but technically. And so, but when you look at since 1980, the absolute number for the median income for black people has fallen $10,000. If you account for just pure inflation, right? It should have gone the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we've lost in that period of time. So you could almost double the, the actual, you know, negative um, value to get, you know, an inflation adjusted, uh, um, you know, transition. What, what Michelle, if anything, mm-hmm. what fixes that? Miss, F- Miss economic empowerment <laughs> of the black people. What fixes, what fixes that large of a gap? And that's just income. We didn't even yeah. get it to the total asset value. Yeah. So, so I think it's a couple of different things, right? So, you know, um, large numbers hide a lot of things in them. Um, one of the big things that we knew, we know that happened in the eighties and nineties was, um, black flight one out of, you know, the inner city, but also, um, home ownership. So, um, you know, we all, we always, we have this ongoing conversation in my urban league YP groups around like, don't sell grandmama's home. Um, Mm. but with the influx of the crack epidemic and, you know, this very large shift in what, um, you know, success looks like, I think that we, what we saw were that the people that were proverbially left behind, if you will, in Dallas, um, lost a lot of not only access to income, but that's access to wealth. Like mm-hmm. that 73,000 isn't checks, you know, that's not jobs that white people are, you know, I mean, uh, some of it is, but it's not all jobs that, that white people are. It's, it's, it's equity, you know, right. it's access to wealth building. And I think that when we're looking at what economic empowerment looks like, we have to go beyond looking at job readiness. Now we have to look at job readiness. Um, Byron, you know, you and I have had this conversation a lot about how the, the ways in which our um, workforce is trending, we have to move and we have to move swiftly. Otherwise these numbers are going to be even more drastic in 10 years. Yeah. Um, but we also have to be intentional at looking at what wealth building practices looks like. Um, and I think that, you know, between, um, you know, like just predatory, uh, land grabs and housing grabs. You know, I'm thinking about what happened in West Dallas about seven years ago, six, seven years ago, where mm-hmm. um, 42 houses or something like that were under code and were, yeah. you know, allowed to be demolished and that land given to someone else. Um, when I think about, you know, people not keeping records and, you know, not being able to find a deed on their home. And so someone is able to come in and take that home or, you know, selling a, a house that's paid off for a hundred thousand dollars without looking at the property value. Um, mm-hmm. That's really, you know, 
two to three times that, especially if you have a house in the inner city of Dallas. Um, all of these different things lead to uh, the lack of wealth building in our community. Um, and so I think that, you know, as we're talking about, and that's why entrepreneurship is important. Um, that's why looking at, you know, different means to empower people is important. That's why, uh, you know, I think the conversation around college is important, but I also think that the conversation around like just hustling period, you know, like being entrepreneurial in the ways in which you're moving is important. Um, and so, so I just think that there's a lot of conversations and education and just opportunity and access uh, that we need to have with our community because, you know, I don't know, I, you know, I could get on my soapbox and talk about this all day, but um, the life just looks different, right? So, you know, I'm a single mom, um, but my, I, but I also understand that my life looks very, very, very different now than it did 10, 15 years ago. Um, yeah. you know, when my son was two, um, you know, trying to figure out living in some little like trash apartment with people beating each other outside and, you know, just dirty and roach infested and trying, just trying to, you know, create a semblance of life for my son and I, um, and remembering what that level of stress did for me. I wasn't going to no home buying seminars. Mm. Like I wasn't going to know like, wealth building and economic empowerment workshops. You need a financial literacy class right there. Right? Like, I'm not trying to get no financial literacy. Like, I'm trying to figure out what we're going to eat. I'm trying to figure out how to make sure my son doesn't wake up with roaches on him. I'm trying to figure out, you know, like, there was a a time that I remember very vividly that really shaped my son where we're coming home and uh, this couple is, like, getting in this fight and their eight-year-old daughter runs up to me and is like, can you help me? And I'm like, yes, come into the house, right? Mm-hmm. And we're terrified because it's my son, me, and this eight-year-old, seven, eight-year-old little girl um, in the house. And I'm trying to, like, turn off all the lights and I'm panicking and don't know what to do. And, you know, the people are looking for their kid yelling and cussing and screaming. And that's the, that, that's ty- that type of, sh- like, stress and trauma I ain't thinking about trying to figure out how to save 10% of every check. Right. Like, so, so, you know, like, I think that it's, it's not fair and, you know, fair is whatever to have a conversation around what we need to do as a people, because there are some valid things that we need to do as a people without talking about like, Literally, it's like the damn Hunger Games. Like the 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 neighborhoods that we live in how, were created. Like the ghetto was created. The hood was created. It was a plan. It was a plan to 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 disinvest in certain communities. It was a plan to make sure that these were the places. It was a plan. To, to have like environmental racism where you're pouring in toxins in these areas. It was like, this shit was planned. It was planned. And so now we're seeing the fruit that was, that, that has been very strategy. Yeah, extremely effective yeah. strategy. And not only from a physical, environmental and economic standpoint, but from a psychological standpoint, you know, like 
there are times when I literally have to like question if I'm able to do a thing. Like, like a, like a, like a, just a thing, right? Like, like, you know, up, up. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I, I know we're going to talk about this in a bit, but I'm in the middle of getting a master's degree and I reached out to my, uh, t- my team, yeah. Cohort. my study right. team. Yeah. yeah. To say, Hey, you know, looking for some work. If you, if you see anything, you know, let me know. And two gentlemen reached out, both of them, uh, white guys, like mid to late 30 year old white guys. Great, great guys. I love them to death. And they were like, um, yeah, have you ever thought about, you know, like being like a COO of like a law firm or like, I think you'd be really good at that. I'm going to make some calls for you. I think that this is the difference. I was like, COO? (laughs) (laughs) What? You know, COO? Why not? (laughs) Why not? But that's the thing because I have to ask myself, like, why do you feel that way? Like, you've you've built things from the ground up. You've fundraised multi-million dollars. You've created citywide strategies. Like, why can you not? But that's psychological, right? Like, like that's a psychological thing that I have to continually push back on Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to, like, narratives that I tell myself. So one of the things that you – so one of the questions that we ask is – have you ever tried to define creativity uh, and how would you, right? And I think that some of the things mm-hmm. that you said, like uh, what you just said reminds me of the whole idea of value proposition, right? You're saying COO, I can't be a COO. And it's like, but why not, right? What's the value mm-hmm. proposition? But what, what, but your response to what is creativity, I'd like you to unpack, especially as it relates to you've created things, right? You have mm-hmm. done things that did not previously exist. And so how does that, how do you, as you're looking at, um, you know, what's next for you, as you're looking at, at next steps, as you're looking at COO of law firm opportunities or whatever it might be, (laughs) how does your definition of creativity, which is, and I will read it for you and put it in quotes, which is uh, creativity is the act of taking what is in your mind and then manifesting it in the real world. Uh, This can be art, problem solving ideas, et cetera. How are you, how have you historically and how will you manifest that moving forward into whatever it is that you're doing, the, the, the entrepreneurial ventures mm-hmm. that you're undertaking and the entrepreneurial ventures that you are empowering others to take as well? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think this has been a relatively new revelation, like in the last five years, um, that one of the things that I'm good at is seeing the thing that other people don't see. Um, and so, you know, somebody presents a problem to me and I'm like, well, duh, the answer is X, Y, and Z. Like it's, to me, it's very clear, very simple. And yeah. I almost don't want to say it because it, it feels so like elementary. And then oh, people didn't... are like, yeah, people are like, that's oh why God, sometimes really? I feel like, Michelle, you have to say it like that to me. I was supposed to have seen that. But like it's so like like straightforward that it's difficult for me to realize that that's like a skill set that I have, um, and so I think that that aligns with the way that I define creativity is that it's the ability to take whatever input that you're receiving, um, whether it's inspiration or a problem or anything uh, that you're receiving, and then be able to have an output that didn't previously exist, or at least didn't previously exist in the ways in which you are sharing it and essentially manifesting it, making it be. Mm. Um, And so as I'm looking at, you know, like 
kind of what's next for me career-wise, um, I'm leaning into that. So I'm looking at career opportunities that will allow me to create something from nothing. Um, one of the projects that I'm also working on, um, as I mentioned earlier, is I want to uh, work on this tech gap that is vastly growing between um, our community and uh, reskill a lot of people that are uh, out of work into these junior level, you know, software development jobs and do it in a way that we take some of what we did at Group Excellence and kind of marry it together. Um, and so that is something that doesn't currently exist. There's coding boot camps everywhere, um, but there's not ones that were done intentionally. You know, going back to that, like, we fix diversity and inclusion on purpose. We have to be intentional about that. So um, all of the opportunities that I'm looking at, whether it's, you know, personal opportunities, things that I'm excited about, is leaning into my personal creativity and my ability to look at a problem, take it apart, and create something that is new and fresh. Dope. Fire. Word. Amazing. You, you know what I say to that? Hmm. Wah, 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 wah. That was an air horn. Yeah. That, that was an air horn. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I see. Like DJ Khaled. Yeah. DJ Khaled. You've definitely brought some sauce today, Michelle. Okay. All right, to the sizzles. You brought a whole vibe, and, and, and we're very grateful for it. Um, really quickly, because I wish we could tell the whole uh, story, but, you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. we don't have that much time for that. But yeah. um, <clears throat> what what you doing for school right now? Nah? <laughs> so I'm currently pursuing an executive MBA um, at the Kellogg School of Business for Northwestern or at Northwestern University. I graduate in December. That's a small school, Kellogg School of Business. It's not like that. Right now, y'all can't see it, but it's a dance. <laughs> it's a dance. <laughs> I graduate in December. Hey, um, I'm okay. super, super excited about that. Why is that? First of all, it's Northwestern. So that in and of itself, one sure. of the top programs in the world. Um, this is even more significant, though, because there's another part to the story. That you should tell. You remember that part where the, where a homegirl, I don't even know what her name is, Miss Jenkins. We're gonna call her Miss Jenkins. Miss mm-hmm. Jenkins. Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins. Okay. High school mm-hmm. counselor. High school guidance mm-hmm. counselor. Yes. Gave guidance no, I don't want to call her Miss Jenkins. We're gonna call her Karen. Because Jenkins yeah, is she like was, a black she wasn't name. a Miss Jenkins. That's fair. Yeah. yeah that's that that would have been like calling her Miss Jackson. Miss Karen. Her popple. Oh, yes. Oh, so, um, she told, so she said, "Look here, Michelle. Girls who have babies don't go to college." Why would you gotta you, say you it still like sound, that? You still sound like a black old black woman, though. No, no, no. She just, she just, she had a black school. She, she's picked up some affect. That's all it is. Karen <laughs> told you. That girls who have babies I, don't go to I grew college. up in Gainesville, so it was more like, Michelle? <laughs> <laughs> Michelle? Uh, or Belinda? That's what Belinda. it was. Belinda. <laughs> That's right. Go ahead and make it. Um, um, so what, I, how did that happen? 
What? Yeah. So I, I, so you, you said how did it happen? I didn't say what happened yet. So, uh, so, so I don't have a, I don't have a, I know. Um, I don't have a bachelor's degree. I actually skipped my bachelor's degree and went straight to wait what? My master's degree. <laughs> you, you remember them kids who were like, you met them. They're like, I skipped sixth grade. I was like, cool. But I was like, I skipped college. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still doing boss level shit. Executive degree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I skipped it. I skipped it. Yeah. Um, quick story about that. Um, I, I, I remember I went to this Black Enterprise Conference in Houston. And this guy was up talking and just talking. But he was talking about, um, you know, folks just be talking. You're like, what are you even saying? But I remember he said this thing and he was like, um, you know, we talk about hacking all of the time. Um, your life is hackable. Like you can hack your life. And he's like, the, you know, there are no rules to life. Anything that you want to pursue, it may take a little while. It may be harder. It may be more difficult, but you can you can figure out a way to pursue it. And so I remember I went home and I was just like, what is it that I actually really, really want? And it was, I wanted a, I wanted a degree, but I know I didn't want to go the bachelor's route because it was, I felt like I had more experience and I didn't want to do that to myself. Um, and so I was like, I wonder if I can, I wonder if I can get a master's degree without doing this bachelor's thing. And I Googled it and found out it was a thing. And I remember I text Byron. And I sent him a screenshot and I was like, did you know that this was a thing? He was like, no, that's not a thing. And I'm like, this is from the website, Byron. This is, <laughs> that's a thing. Fake it's news, a thing. fake news. <laughs> it's a thing. He's like, are you going to do it? I was like, I think I'm going to, I think, I, and it was a couple, there's actually a couple of schools I was looking at. I was looking at, I don't remember, I was, I was looking at Harvard at the time. Yeah, I remember. You t- uh, that. Yeah, there, there was a couple of schools that I was looking at. So, um. So yeah, here I am. I graduate in December um, with my Emba from Kellogg. Michelle, we're really glad that you got to come on and talk to us. And I know there's some big things ahead for you. Uh, but before we go, <coughs> get ready, Demai. Okay. Get ready. Warm them up. Warm them up. <laughs> this is shimmy. Shimmy. <laughs> We're going to do uh, <clears throat> what has come to be known as a fan favorite um, here, a special segment where we mm-hmm. ask you questions. You hit us back with the answers. First thing, top of dome, right off the brain, the very essence of your reflexive creativity, quickly creative. If you like it, then you're gonna like has lead creative. If you like it, then you're gonna like has lead creative. Uh-oh. So bad. That was really so bad. bad. That was really bad. This is so your worst bad. one. This is your worst one, Damani. So no, 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 no. Okay, okay, but here I gotta explain it to the people. Okay, please do. Okay. I, I thought it was fairly because... so it was like so it was so basic. But go ahead. Because here's why, right? Because we have so Michelle, here's the backstory there. Okay. We do quickly creative uh every episode as Byron okay. just explained. And mm-hmm. depending on who's doing the quickly creative, the other person has to write a theme song. And right. for me, I want to write mm-hmm. the theme song based on inspirations during the conversation. 
Okay. And so that was okay. me badly channeling your inner Beyonce. Mm, got uh, it. Got it. They're not always winners. They're not always winners. Two weeks ago, I had a winner. Uh, today was not one of them. You know what? Mm. In two weeks ago, we're going to ride that wave in in, in, in memoriam. <laughs> we're going to let this one slide. So are you ready, Michelle? I'm ready. Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to hit you with them. First thing off the top. Okay, so it's a question. It's a question. It's a question. Okay. It's, it's, your it's your favorite this. You got to hit okay. me. Whatever comes out of my mouth, you got to okay. answer it quickly. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> and begin. Beyonce or Cardi B? Beyonce. Urban League or the National oh, Urban League. <laughs> yeah, even well, hold on, hold on. The, the the audience didn't even hear the question because y'all just started. Yeah. Urban League, she knows, she knows, she knows. I did it. Urban League or NAACP? Urban League. All right. Boy mom or daddy's girl? Oh, that's a good one. Boy mom. Lacrosse or football? Lacrosse. Why? Because my son plays lacrosse. I've been watching lacrosse games for the last freaking 10 years. I love it. She got a little black boy plays lacrosse down here in Texas. <laughs> for y'all who are listening in other parts of the country, that might not seem as weird as it, as it is down here, it but it is. It is very weird. It is very weird. All right. Kellogg, Chicago or Kellogg, Miami? Kellogg, Miami. 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 Hey. Digital divide. Or black business undercapitalization as the one of the biggest problems for us to solve. Well, dang! I actually so so right now I would actually say the digital divide because I think it's going to impact more people than. Um, but it's hard. That's hard. That's hard. But I'm going to say digital divide right now. That's fire, a big that fire. That means that means digital divide is a big problem. If the black business yeah. capitalization queen is like, yo, <laughs> no, this <laughs> is a problem. Yeah, this is a real problem. This is a real problem. Cool, cool, cool. Well, yo, that was quickly creative. Thank you so much for joining us, telling your whole story and telling it true. Tell it true. Tell it true on today. Uh, Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah, it was. Um, So we always like to end our uh, episode with uh, some brag time. So, yo, if you got anything that you're excited about that you want people to know about on the on the front end or what's coming, what's up? Like, you know, go ahead, brag, talk about yourself. Yeah, so I have a website. It's the letter B, michellew.com, um, where I do some consulting for nonprofits, for I help people get their startup strategies. So if you need some help, be Michelle W. You can also hit me up on IG or Twitter. It's B-E, Michelle W, on those. Um, and then also, like I mentioned, I am uh, working on starting a coding academy. So Code 214. This is the first time I said it, like, like on a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's called Code, code 214. Um, it's a partnership with, with um, I guess I can't say my partner's names yet because I don't, I don't have those signatures. But I have a couple of partners. Um, we have some pilots coming up and some really promising things. And it's moving along very, very quickly. So I'm super excited about that to fix that digital divide. Yes. Pow. Pow. You're going to be fixing both at the same time. 
get these uh, get the digital divide and then get some entrepreneurship all at the mm-hmm. same time. We can do it. We can do. We can do both at the same time. Absolutely, yo! Thank you again, B. Michelle Williams B stands for Belinda. Everybody, remember that name. <laughs> Belinda. Thank you, Byron. Thank you, Byron. In case they didn't. Here's the no, thing: Byron's forgot. just hating on people who have initials. Uh, this, first. this is true. This is true. Like, my, son is, my son falls in this category. P. W. Bryce Sanders. Really? Yeah. yeah really? Paul William. Bryce. Oh, you went with a double initial. Dude. I did not so, know this. So who makes the decision to go by Bryce? Him or yeah. you? Yeah. He so here's this super quick story. Bryce, the end of the podcast. <laughs> podcast. Bryce was the name that we had already chosen. Mm-hmm. And then he decides to come early and we're like, oh, uh, middle, I don't know. We ain't got no middle name. It's Bryce. And so emergency delivery, harrowing scenario. My wife barely survives. She makes it through. But the only reason she did survive is because Bryce was being very, very still in her womb, which T tipped her off that she needs to go into the hospital. She goes into the hospital. They recognize he's fine. She is in dire straits. Mm-hmm. And she makes it. He makes it. He's born very, very early. He was all, he was barely three pounds, uh, but that's how we got. That's how we decided on his the rest of his name. Paul means small. William means protector because that's what he was. Paul William. Oh wow! I never knew that. Nor I. And how long have we known this man? Right. It's. Been- I wrote a whole thing and then i i there's like a channel five story i, I don't oh, know i'm sorry oh I'm, I'm did you just did you really just tell uh he your did. friends that we should we should he did we should, we we should, should read your, your things you just tell us Since we don't my... read everything you Byron, what's the last thing you read that i wrote Ooh. Hmm? internet on the Facebook, first of all, first of all, first of all, I I gave y'all like fifteen links of things that I've been featured in. I, I, I know I, that you have I watched not, them all. I watched them. I, I, know I watched them all. You have not seen all of them. I remember when you came at Group Excellence and was telling us about Bryce's birth. You called him Bryce. You still had the hospital bracelet on, and you called him Bryce. You didn't you tell us. No, you didn't. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I have I am not gonna be gaslit. Gonna... You're gaslighting us! You're gaslighting us! We're telling you! You're... Okay, Byron, you have two good friends. Two good friends! Two good friends of yours telling you that we did not know about Paul William Bryce. I'm gonna hear this and I'm gonna take it. And and, and and I do not expect you to have seen every single thing I post, but for the things that have gotten some of the most reactions uh, that I... No! Wait a second! You wait a second! I'm not even on Facebook right now! I don't even know the things! Oh my god! in 2009! I have done this for oh, a decade! It's okay. so bad. Where is Heather <laughs> Because 
people are going to be like, what is this what edit is going to be? I yeah. think, I don't even know. I, Byron, close out the show, bro. <laughs> hey, thank you everybody for, uh, for tuning in to, to Casually Creative. Uh, we really are appreciative of your support and listening. And <laughs> please subscribe. Or, please subscribe. Or at least after this uh, tirade at the end of this episode, don't unsubscribe. That's really that's really the goal right now. Just don't unsubscribe. Don't unsubscribe. Go to check us out. Casuallycreative.co, Spotify, any place, wherever you catch your podcast. Um, like us, subscribe, comment. We want to hear from you. Like us. Thank you so much for loving us through ourselves. <laughs> and uh we'll see y'all next time. Y'all stay dope. Stay dope. Casually Creative was produced by Heather Daniel of SweetRebel.com. Its intro and outro music were composed by Ezekiel Daniel and produced by Marcus Reddick and Dean Talbert. Feel free to check us out online at www.casuallycreative.co. Everyone living is a type of creative. Everyone's got a limit they can create. Some people code them for some people is faking. If you can see it in your mind, you can make it.